She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of... Bigfoot. So this episode was written and produced by Larry L. Badger. This is his only credit on IMDb. And it does follow the trend of the writer also being the episode's producer. So... It is also directed by Nicholas Webster. Maybe. The internet says it was directed by Nicholas Webster. The episode says it was not directed by anybody. There's not a director credit. So, don't know. According to the internet, he will also direct three more episodes. I guess we'll find out. Also, according to the internet, he will write four episodes, including one on the abominable snowman. Oh, nice. So, little link there. Anyway. His other directing credits include Santa Claus Conquers the Martians from 1964. That I think is fiction. Man Beast, Myth or Monster, 1978 TV documentary, which I believe was produced by Alan Landsberg, because it's often mentioned in Link with In Search of. And then also Sharks, The Death Machine from 1980, which is listed as a TV movie slash documentary. So I don't know. If we're mixing fact and fiction there or not, obviously demonizing sharks with that title. So, yeah, poor sharks. Yeah. Sharks are yeah. great. Yeah. Of course, hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. And this episode actually aired on Thursday, April 28th, 1977. So the nice. day after last episode. Wow. So they're really like, hey, we got a new show that you want to watch. Ba-boom. Have some episodes. <laughs> nice. Like last, last Sunday, they showed two episodes in a row right back to back mm-hmm. and then we got one on wednesday and we got one on thursday and i'm pretty sure the next one is on sunday so man there you go. boom boom pumping it out watch it watch so, it yeah as happens in the 70s and obviously nowadays sometimes too the show uses the term indian when referring to native americans and because we quote the narration in the opening and the closing we will be using the term indian in those cases so right they are direct quotes it's not a term yes. you would use yeah. because obviously we would now say native american or indigenous people um, or native peoples or any yeah. number of things or their tribe name whatever yeah. yeah that's always better if you can do that so yeah. yeah so leonard nimoy tells us a giant hairy creature part ape part man indians call him sasquatch They believe he is as gentle as he is powerful and mysterious. He has been seen many times in the rugged mountains and deep woods of the Pacific Northwest. The encounters have not always been peaceful. In 1924, a small group of men were working a mine in a canyon near Mount St. Helens in Washington. One night, the miners took their weapons inside and bolted the door. They thought they were secure for the evening. Outside, Something strange was happening. The cabin was under attack. Boulders rained on the roof. Someone or something was trying to break in. The miners later described their attackers as large, hairy apes. The siege lasted several hours. The miners escaped injury that night. The area now known as Ape Canyon is one of the many places in the Northwest 
where man continues his hunt for this elusive creature we call Bigfoot. (gasps) And then there's a credit break and Leonard Nimoy continues. Many people do not believe in Bigfoot, but a lot of people do. And some of them feel they must kill it to prove it exists. Ooh, thanks. Yeah, which is a weird, That's that seems to be the focus of this episode is this debate about whether or not you should kill Bigfoot. It feels like yeah. a weird angle to take. Yeah. But we'll talk so, about that. Yeah. So then we get the in search of Bigfoot. Then we get our little caveat about theory and conjecture and that kind of stuff. And then I'm excited because like, Bigfoot shit's getting real getting some cool like hardcore cryptozoology action on this episode old school stuff so I'm very excited although as Tori just mentioned parts of this episode are weird and very contradictory and I think it's because they're trying to get all a little bit like we talked about last episode they're trying to fit everything in like a 20 minute episode and so it looks mm-hmm. a little, I mean the reenactment that happens under the opening narration like I think epitomizes this because like we get like native people say it is gentle as it is powerful. And meanwhile, it goes into the story of like these miners who are having their cabin assaulted by hairy apes and they're like shooting wildly at like these howling attackers they can't see. And like it's like, ooh. Also, dumbasses, like if you're being under attacked by something, like don't be shooting like through your walls and your door when you can't see what you're doing because they're trying to break in your cabin. And if you shoot through the walls and door, guess what? That weakens the ability of the door and the wall to hold the attacker back. So don't do that. It's dumb. Don't shoot at what you can't see. Pretty obvious. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really what happened. It's just a reenactment. They're like, yeah. over there! And the guy shoots at the roof and like, over <laughs> there! And they shoot through the door and it's like, oh my god. Yeah. So anyway. So coming off of that last line, many people do not believe in Bigfoot, but a lot of people do. And some of them think they must kill it to prove it exists. We get Leonard Nimoy saying that the native peoples of Oregon, Washington, and Canada don't need proof. The legends and myths of the Sasquatch have been around as long as they have. Some anthropologists even suggest the creature may have actually come with them across the land bridge to North America, which mm-hmm. is what I was immediately getting ready to type my notes when I heard that. And then he said this thing that I was getting ready to type. And I'm like, sweet. So I guess you can wait that as you choose. Cause like, if I thought of the idea too, maybe it might be crazy. Who knows? Anyway, so I'm also not sure it's been a long time since I did that informational research kind of stuff. Is the land bridge theory still the standard theory of how the population in the Americas occurred? Is that still, I mean, my last anthropology class was in like 2002. So I don't know um, what, if that's still the prevailing theory, I think it is for the most part, but again, I'm not up on the news. So maybe that's changed. Okay, yeah, that's pretty much about the last, probably maybe barely more recent than the last time I had an anthropology sort of class. So, yeah, okay. So we found that Bigfoot does have mythic significance to the many indigenous people from what the area that Bigfoot is basically occurs in, right? From Northern California to Southwestern British Columbia in Canada. And the fact that it is so significant, apparently, or at least we're told it's so significant, that it makes it difficult to separate myth from reality. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. you're gonna try and then we meet anthropologist grover krantz and he has a cast of a gigantopithecus jaw which mm-hmm. is an ape that lives in china like a very long time ago but it is basically a giant ape that maybe 
anthropologists have suggested maybe like the ancestor of Bigfoot, if he, if it exists, it's possible. That's what he says. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Krantz also believes that the film by Roger Patterson is authentic in part because it doesn't look like a person could be wearing that suit because it's too tall. And if a person were in there, like they'd have to be maybe on stilts and it doesn't look like they're stilts. Also, the musculature of the costume is too defined when it moves for it to really be a believable costume. Unless it's really, really good, I guess. Yeah. And while he's talking, we see frame 352, which is the shot that if you've ever seen a picture of the Bigfoot turning around and looking at someone in the woods, it's from that movie. And that's the frame number from the Patterson Gilman film from 1967. Mm -hmm. Also... Bigfoot boobs because the Bigfoot in this photo is believed to be a female yes. and clearly has breasts. Yeah. So. She's called Patty. Yeah. after That's Patterson, another reason Patterson. people believe it's real because why would you build breasts onto a suit? Um, <laughs> maybe because you're a dude and like boobs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or you anyway. were like, you know what they would believe? They would believe boobs. <laughs> yeah. And so hashtag Bigfoot that, boobs. That is one of those things. Not me. <laughs> no. Recorded sightings of Bigfoot began in 1811. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Recorded sightings. We don't get any of those, but. And they told. don't, yeah. Again, like the stuff where they're like, lots of things have disappeared. The beer try and they don't really tell you any of them. We do get a cool thing. montage of like old like newspapers with like headlines and stuff, though. But we mm-hmm. don't get yeah. And we learned that on July 3rd, 1882, a British Columbia newspaper reported that railroad workers captured a creature that they called Jacko. Unfortunately, no photos or evidence of this creature exists. Yeah, man, we don't know what happened to Jacko. We don't know what happened to it, just that it apparently was captured according to this one newspaper article and then never heard of again. Yeah. We find out there's been an estimated 2,000 reported sightings of Bigfoot. And of course, this is as of when this episode originally aired. So again, or at least was filmed. So again, 76 77 we're not really sure although half of those are considered fakes which means that a thousand of them are probably real so that's good (laughs) we get a couple of examples of this dude lewis alway and he was driving and his daughter cindy was asleep in the car and if you watch it without audio you think he abducted this kid and like got her like on the floor of his car but it's actually i guess his daughter and she was sleeping there she was sleeping yeah yeah they saw a bear. When you listen to the story, he's like, oh, I'm a hunter. And he saw a bear. They saw a bear. Anyway. And then we Sheriff William Klossner of Skamania County in Washington. He talks about like people who have called him a lot and they have tracks and he's seen tracks. And he's like, I don't know. Might be something. And also there's like a really strong sulfur smell. Mm-hmm. And which is a thing. And then we talk these two dudes, and one of the dudes is like, he's like, I'm gonna tell you my story, but you know what? I'm not gonna get out of my car, even if I'm gonna be on TV. He just like parked on the side of the road and he's in his car and he tells the story, he doesn't want to get out. So okay, yeah, apparently yeah. made his car stink and stink for like for a day, and then it wasn't. So yeah, the sheriff that they talked to kind of reminded me of the sheriff in Jersey Devil. Where he was like, oh, I've seen too many weird things to say there's nothing weird going on. I mean, that's kind of the vibe that I got from that. Yeah. So. The uh, Dihanda Verlitz sheriff was like that, too. Oh, yeah. 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 And then we're one mile outside the Dalles in Oregon. So we're like in my backyard right now. And we meet Peter Byrne, adventurer and former big game hunter in Nepal. And by big game hunter... He did some Yeti stuff too in Nepal. So 
Also, I'm not sure about the whole big game hunter because that, and they kind of do that here. They say like he has dropped his rifle in favor of camera and binoculars. I'm not sure he was really like hunting yetis ever like with a gun. No, um, I think he was just looking for them. Yeah, I think he did do, I think he probably went there to be a big game hunter and like shoot real animals and then started hearing about the yeti stuff and then got really into that. And then I think he, like stopped like trying I, I don't think he ever tried to shoot yetis and he definitely is not like should not be shooting bigfoots mm-hmm. so he has led the bigfoot investigation project for five years at this point they missed the acronym they could have called it the investigation group and their acronym could have been big for bigfoot oh that'd be cool instead of oh, yeah VIP. but anyway and then we find out that near mount hood oregon in 1974 there was a sighting by loggers jack cochran who's also an amateur artist. He draws us a nice picture and Furman Osborne. And honestly, Osborne's reenactment is like worth the price of admission for this episode. I mean, it's free, <laughs> but like, he's like, it's the, it's the worst acting you've ever seen in your life, but it's entertaining. So yeah. Cause he sits down on a log and then I think it's like, Oh, I got to get up and run. And it's like, totally like his face, like, Oh, got to get up and run. And then he's like running through. The, it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, it's anyway, pretty good. So yeah. Yeah, so lots of people have seen Bigfoots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then we come back from commercial and we see Burn in the woods and he's pouring plaster or something like it into a footprint and creating mm-hmm. a Bigfoot cast or yeah. cast of the print. And then we see Krantz in his office and he's looking at a cast of a Bigfoot. But well, we also print. Burn had prepared one ahead of time too. He's like like yeah, like early. Well, yes, he's so, another like, one that I've got one I've made had, before, right. and he had another one that he kind of shows us, and then mm-hmm. Kranz has got a different one. Yeah. Yeah. And Kranz says that the one that he's holding is the most authentic one. I don't know if he says the most authentic one he has, but he he likes that it shows based on the angle of the toes and stuff that it would be a foot that could support an 800 pound creature. And so he thinks if it's a fake, it's a very well thought out fake because they thought about what kind of feet would be necessary to support such a big animal. Yeah. I don't know about Krantz. I think this, this show doesn't do him a lot of favors because I don't no. think he was as pro. I mean, he, he definitely believed Bigfoot could be out there, but I don't think he was, uh, I think the he show was, cuts him weird. I, I like think that. he's a lot like the dude in the other voices one where he was like, a real scientist and actually did real stuff mm-hmm. and then later he got into a little crazy time action because he did go on to he is like he did do a lot of bigfoot stuff and actually ran he like well, he, he was on specials and actually yeah like, we'll talk about him he actually was yeah. very into bigfoot this was like his hobby but he was a real anthropologist and he taught anthropology yeah but yeah, he did actually that. go out looking in the woods for bigfoot many times himself and did research yeah. and stuff like that so he was yeah. into it for sure yeah but both burn and Krantz talk about these bulges that are on the side of the foot and burn says like people aren't really sure what they would because there's like on a normal foot if you walk like there there wouldn't be a bulge there so they're not really sure what it is if it's some kind of like weird like evolutionary thing because they're they're bigger and they're heavier and then the one Krantz has has two bulges and he says that's explained because obviously this one was horribly injured because the bones in his foot must have been separated which is why there's two bulges and that the weight is pushed forward on the foot 
And so it's not the weight isn't wouldn't be like where our ankles were. It shifted forward towards more the middle of the foot, which would suggest that would be because it's so heavy that it would have to work that way. And I'm thinking or also it could be because you're wearing oversized Bigfoot boots and you're Mm -hmm. walking on them. And the bulge is because the boot bulges right there. That's where the pressure would be and would also explain why there's weight not at the back, but at the front because you're not just having a big clown shoe you've actually got your foot more in the middle of the bigfoot print but they don't say that so and i'm not an anthropologist but that's my theory on that because that's what it kind of looks like especially burns bulge it's like that's because the the mushy boot that you were wearing bulged out when you stepped down into the mud right there but um, anyway <laughs> so that's my theory I'm sticking to it And then we meet three hunters who believe that the hunt will end with a bullet. This is apparently a very contentious argument in Bigfoot communities. And Mm -hmm. I think it was very contentious at this time because I noticed that this seems to be the framing for this episode, which again, I think is a little weird, but maybe it was just the biggest argument they could find in the Bigfoot community. And they're like, we got to go with this. This is, this is where the action is at. Yeah. So we asked the question, like, does it have to be killed to prove it exists? Mm-hmm. And in Stevenson, Washington, they've actually made it a $10,000 fine for killing a Bigfoot. And I think there's some jail time involved there, too. Yeah. I think there was also some jail time. So if you shoot a Bigfoot in Stevenson, Washington. Or kill one. I think it counts like if you actually like hit one with a car, too, possibly. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Krantz is on board for killing one. Again, Krantz is an anthropologist and he knows the scientific community. They want specimens. They want physical yeah, He's proof. like, we need a piece of a body. Yeah. And he actually, both in this, and there's another interview in the podcast we'll mention later where he talks about like, ideally, like in this episode, he talks about how like if there was a hunter who had already killed one and had hidden it away, that would be the best situation. Or if someone hit one with their car, <laughs> that would be good because mm-hmm. then they would have the body. But he's not opposed to actually just shooting one in the wild if you came across one either. Yeah. Byrne thinks that killing one would be morally wrong and that that should not happen because we don't know how intelligent they are with that. What if that's the last one and we kill it? That kind of thing. Yeah. Krantz is not bothered by the whole, like, well, if we kill the last one, so what? At least we'll know what it was. Yeah. We'll so. know it existed. If no one knows <laughs> yeah. it's there, who cares if it's, yeah. So yeah, there's lots of things <laughs> that went extinct that we had no control over, but at least yeah. we know they existed. I, so, yeah, he's a little, I like Krantz. <laughs> he's got glasses and he wears like, he's got like that really seventies, almost professor look, but like really kind of laid back professor. He seems like he's not a like, dude. He's not like, I'm, I'm kind of playing him out to be the villain a little bit of that. So I think not. the episode played he's him up science. to be a villain too. Right. Yeah. Like the I mean, episode tried not. to make him, because just... the episode cuts this argument back and forth with, Oh Burn yeah. They keep going back and forth. Krantz, Burn and they make it seem Krantz. like Krantz is like determined to go out and kill one. And I think what Krantz yep. is saying is like, I'm a scientist. I know how these things work. If we don't have a physical specimen, no one's ever going to believe it. Because if you have a photo or a footprint, we don't have proof of what made that, right? Like we need the actual physical. And we get those three hunter dudes too who are like, yep, got to shoot it. I don't know why you got to make it so controversial. Just shoot it and we'll know if it exists. Yeah. And and one guy does make the argument, which is a sound, I mean, is a sound argument. If you kill one and you can prove it, then in theory that will keep people from just going out and trying to shoot them. Right. Because now we'll have evidence and yeah, but we'll have a specimen and then maybe we can protect them better. Yeah. That's I'm pretty sure if you prove they were true, there'd be a lot of people out there wanting Bigfoots for their whatever, just to say I shot a Bigfoot. Like they go out and shoot tigers that are 
almost extinct and lots of other animals are almost extinct because yeah. we're men and we get to shoot things yeah, yeah. and then by jimmy john sandwiches so native americans are like why do white people have to suck so bad which fair fair yeah but yeah totally. you don't need to kill this thing and uh, yeah we speak to a woman an indigenous woman mm-hmm. and obviously they are not a monolith right they are individuals as well she does refer to it as he and as yes. a person and not in a creature or a thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And she obviously does not want him killed. He's just a peaceful guy who wants to live where he wants to live and wants to be left alone is her thinking. And so yeah, she does at one point. So like, like they're not going to civilize him like they did. And then she kind of trails off because we know what she's saying. You know what she? No, saying. I think she even says like they tried oh, to do, she? Well, like like they did us or whatever. Yeah. Like you're not going to civilize so. him like you did us. <laughs> so um, yeah, she's she's yeah. very which you know. Sorry, I'm sorry. I have so much white guilt. <laughs> anyway, we're the worst. And then we get a view of Mount Hood, and we hear gunshots. Yep, and then the screen Very goes dramatic, black. Dramatic, dramatic. <laughs> and then commercial because yep. something died. Maybe I don't know. I, whoa, yeah, maybe a Bigfoot. Yeah. Yep. And then that's pretty much the episode. So then we get Nimoy's closing narration, where he says, "Man, with his ingenuity and machinery." continues to stalk this creature a creature described by the indians as a gentle being wanting to live in peace in his own habitat a creature some scientists believe is a link to centuries long past and then we interrupt leonard nimoy's narration and we go back to peter byrne and he's talking about how like gorillas were mentioned by ancient greeks in their myths and yet they were not discovered until the late 18th century and the mountain gorilla was not discovered until early 1900. And then he talked about the coelacanth, which was thought to have gone extinct 80 million years ago, but was discovered off the coast of South Africa a few years ago. Mm-hmm. The current number is 66 million years ago for coelacanth's assumed extinction. So he's off a little bit there. I don't know what the number was in 1977. So I don't know if he's just incorrect on the 80 million or if they've refined it since then. He does say a few years ago, for the discovery of the coelacanth and that was actually like 40 years ago because that was in 1938 when it was discovered someone caught one in the indian ocean off of south africa so yeah correct little correction there (laughs) and then nimoy returns and he says is that the case with bigfoot is this creature really a relative of gigantopithecus a primate that lived over one million years ago in china and again, a little fact checking, the oldest remains date to 2 million years ago, and the youngest remains we have are actually only like 380 to 310,000 years ago. Nice. So, yeah. So there's like Much a more recent. million and a half year gap there, sort of. So, yeah. And then Nimoy continues, the land lends itself to such a creature. There is food for it to survive. It does not need man but it may have to die at the hands of man to prove to him there is such a thing called Bigfoot. <laughs> if we assume that Bigfoot is real and men are closing in on this seemingly gentle monster, then we must prepare for that first meeting. To have eluded us for so long, Bigfoot must understand man very well. The burden will be on us to understand him. Bigfoot may be waiting for some sign that we're ready. And not just going to shoot him. 
<laughs> not just gonna shoot him in the face. Yes. Yeah. Which uh, fair. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. And then closing credits, it's over. Yep. That's the episode. Yep. Again, I feel like I don't know. I would have liked more. Uh, I don't know. Maybe more about the anthropology side, or more about like from witnesses with some better stories or something. But hey, you know they got what they got. I guess. Yeah. They actually did get quite a bit in here for twenty minutes. Honestly, they so did. Yeah, it's not I mean, like it is that, a short show. It's not like the Nazca lines where it was like listicles and then yeah. Done. So. And uh, Grover Krantz, who is the anthropologist interviewed in this episode, he was an anthropology professor. He apparently in his 101 course, he did actually have one lecture on Bigfoot each year. And he found the topic really fascinating. And I think his lecture was more about like, where would Bigfoot fit, like anthropologically speaking. But he did do research in his spare time. As we mentioned, he did go out looking for Bigfoot. He did study the possibility and he did do a lot of media interviews on the topic. He was really into it. So yeah his he did talk a little bit about the like the if that's what you want to call it as a missing link and so be it kind of thing his, his knowledge was like 70s knowledge right unfortunately uh it was kind of like the whole like that sort of misunderstanding of evolution of like monkeys and then people and he he did mention like it was a parallel line it's not like there yeah, are, it like, wasn't there like our ancestor we, kind of thing. But there still off, was right, a lot yeah. of a like it's part man and part eight kind of business. Like not really. It's not, well, it's maybe not works, I think but... the thinking was that maybe it had evolved, like we had, you know, and maybe become intelligent or something after gigantic. Yeah, no, no. He was saying, yeah, there's there was parallel evolution, so it wasn't like right. one of our ancestors, right? But there was still a lot of that like part man, part ape kind of business in what mm-hmm. he was saying too. It was kind of like, mm-hmm. but anyway. <laughs> Krantz, because he was a teacher his whole life, he donated his body to the Smithsonian because he wants to continue teaching basically after death in whatever capacity he can. They actually told him that he would probably end up in a box in a drawer. And he was like, that's fine. As long as you put the bones of my dogs in with me, that's cool. I can I can deal with that. But they actually did end up articulating his skeleton along with the skeleton of his favorite dog, Clyde, and they put them together on display in the Natural History Museum. So you can actually go see Grover Krantz's skeleton if you want to. There's also a picture in an article that we'll link. And Clyde. Yeah, of Clyde, yeah. Which I do have to question now. So I am wondering, as an anthropologist, when Clyde, did, did he die before Clyde? Did Clyde die before him? And if Clyde died before him, did he he must have kept Clyde skeleton and maybe had him like, you know, I don't know what you call it when you're not taxidermy, but like when you have them like skeleton, yeah. yeah, kind of thing. Like, was he keeping Clyde's bones? I think so. Or yeah. In, I believe or he what, was. That happened afterwards. Or I'm just, I'm just curious about that. I believe. That's... Yeah. I don't know what the order was, but I think, cause he did have a couple different dogs and I know Clyde was his favorite, but I think he kept the bones of all of them. He was an anthropologist. He had a collection of bones and actually, I know. Um, the... I'm just, I've, I've struggled with that myself because I've had those thoughts about my son, Frankie, who's a cat. And it, I both want to do something like that. And then also that just, I, I wouldn't do that if my 
human child died because people would put me in an insane asylum. Yeah. So I'm well, he like had born by human that human and humanoid bones as well because anthropology. Um, well, and- I know, but <laughs> so maybe still, it wasn't there's... as weird for him yeah, to just so, have bones in a box somewhere in his house. I don't know. The Smithsonian also has all of his academic papers, including his large collection of bones. Again, he had a lot because he was an anthropology teacher and he studied anthropology and they have his Bigfoot research. So the Smithsonian has it. I don't think they have it on display, but they, they own it. So I would say that belongs in a museum, but I guess it does now. So, yeah. yeah. And then Laura Krantz learned about Grover Krantz when she read an article about him donating his body. And she's like, oh, that's funny. We have the same last name. I wonder if we're related. So she looked into it. And even though she had never met him, like her, one of her relatives, siblings or something knew him. He is actually a cousin of hers, like a second cousin or first cousin once removed or something like that. She's a journalist and she became fascinated with his Bigfoot obsession. And so she created the podcast Wild Thing which explores Bigfoot from all its angles, or at least that's its first season. It was recommended to me by my friend, Matt. So thanks, Matt. I listened to the first season. I think it's really good. It's a really solid overview of Bigfoot. Like it doesn't deep dive too far into very much, but it does give you like witness accounts. And then also like people who are doing actual research that might uncover Bigfoot, whether they believe in Bigfoot or not, where they're studying like DNA and weird nests in the Pacific Northwest and stuff like that and trying to see what comes up and people who are actually looking for Bigfoot and then it talks about the woo and how the woo like Bigfoot was put here by aliens and theories like that can kind of like discredit people or people believe that that discredits their search for Bigfoot because like people think that that's jumbled in now with UFOs instead of the scientific expedition And yeah, it's just really good. It's nine episodes. I think it's a solid primer on Bigfoot if you're looking for something like that. And it's very entertaining. She talks to a lot of different people. Um, She has some audio from Grover. So yeah, it's a good podcast. I recommend it. There is a 2018 LA Times article and the headline claims that the Wild Thing podcast is like cereal for Sasquatches. Which, depending on how you feel about cereal, may make you want to listen or make you not want to listen. I don't know. I haven't actually listened to it. I do periodically search for good Bigfoot slash like old school cryptid podcasts. And pretty much every one that I've ever come across is like 1% what I want and 99% garbage. Most of them seem to be set up like talk show, radio shows. They have like multiple people and they're like, and they have segments and it's just garbage. You can't do it. I had not heard of this one. Maybe the the title may be one reason possibly why I never came up when I was searching because it is a weird title for that. But I'm going to listen. It's only nine episodes. Mm -hmm. Season two has 10 episodes and it's actually about UFOs and aliens. So it's kind of funny. The whole like UFO link tends to discredit Bigfoot stuff. And then her second season mm-hmm. is all about UFOs and aliens. There's also 12 bonus episodes in season two. So there's actually like 22 episodes for season two. Mm-hmm. So I will probably listen. Maybe it'll end up being like Strange Arrivals and be kind of good. I don't know. Yeah, so. I really liked it. I do like, I did like Serial. I like Sarah Koenig. And I also like This American Life. And I feel like it has a very This American Life type feel. So if you like that kind of journalism and storytelling, I think you'll like it a lot. Like I said, it's a good overview, like a primer. She does do some, you know, stuff and she interviews people, but it's not like a super deep dive. Although she does go into the woods and like look around and like talk to all these people and get witness accounts that she interviews some indigenous people. And so like there's a good variety of voices on there. I think it's pretty solid. 
Okay. Like I said, I'll, I'll give it a yeah. listen. I am a little, I'm a little, I mean, this is our, we're doing this on our Patreon, but in all the episode descriptions, covering the episode description, it's all like, want to listen to season one with no ad sign up for our premium feed and i guess like all the bonus episodes were originally like only premium subscriber only and they really oh maybe yeah, i haven't gotten to season so, two yet because i just started listening to yeah. it this week so i'm so a little I'm like, like oh man how many one. commercials are going to be in this podcast so, i don't know so every episode in the middle there's a commercial for anchor <laughs> hi oh. anchor and there's and she just basically asks you to review and tell your friends and there's not really a lot of ads interesting otherwise. because yeah. when i looked it up well, maybe season two that happened. I don't know because the the podcast now is affiliated with some network or something. I think. Yeah, I think season so. two might be with a network. I haven't listened okay. to season two. I've only listened to season one and I linked their anchor page in our notes. Okay. But yeah, so I don't know. But that's the only ads. It's just every episode right in the middle. Please tell your friends and then also anchor. Okay. Yeah. I just searched for it in the podcast app I use and it came up and then I saw all of them. So yeah. The LA Times article does have a picture of her with Peter Byrne, we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Peter Byrne did not donate his bones to science like Krantz did, probably because I'm pretty sure he's still alive, honestly. <laughs> if he is, he would be 95, and I think he would be turning 96 this year. We're recording at the end of January in 2022. But anyway, he still believes, cue saxophone, and... You know, he's still into the Bigfoot stuff. He has had some interesting times and rough spots um, since the In Search of Action. In 2013, at the age of 83, the state of Oregon basically like sued him and he was sentenced for benefits fraud. Oh. Um, I have feelings about that, um, whether or not he did commit fraud. Some of that hey. was like his, his SSI payments, which he's old. I think he's entitled to those no matter how much money he's making. That's what you, that's how the system works. But apparently he also did get snap food benefits, which honestly should be, you know, for those, they, they claim he didn't state income that he's received from like, like books and that kind of stuff, like, you know, residuals and what have you. I don't know the facts on it. I think the government spends way too much time trying to find fraud Mm -hmm. and spends way less time trying to make sure that people who need support actually get support. So I agree. That's how I feel about that. I actually Um, think means testing shouldn't even be a thing if you want. No, because it it makes things way more complicated. Mm -hmm. And we are so we are so fearful in this country that someone might get something they don't deserve that we, we are willing to let millions of people suffer because of it yeah i think it's ridiculous and i think if you and honestly like the thing with income like that where you're getting income from like book royalties for example or maybe for tv interviews that you're doing uh as he might be doing like that income is so sporadic and then it's taxed really high because they don't pull taxes out so it's like self-employment income so then you end up paying so much in taxes anyway that like that's a hard thing to report because you don't know necessarily what you're going to make you know what i mean and then to have to be like oh well i got this check you know every time something ran i got the check for 25 dollars. you know to have mm-hmm. to do that just to keep your food stamps i mean the whole system is stupid but like that is also just really challenging because it's not like a regular payment it's like going to be sporadic and you might actually really need that when it yeah. comes in. and also you oh. know what i mean i don't know the dude he might be a douchebag i have no idea I don't know, but he's 83. He paid into the system. Like that's part of the package that we're supposed to be getting. And like, again, I say, I I think we spend way too much time trying to make sure someone doesn't get what they don't deserve Mm -hmm. versus making sure that people are 
safe and warm and have food to eat. So, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, so he did also make the news in 2019 because in 2019, the FBI apparently re released the results of a hair sample that he sent to them in 1976. Oh my I don't God. know what it was. I don't know how Mulder did not know about this hair sample. Why it does not come up in the X-Files. But yeah, so they apparently released it trying to, I guess it was deer hair or something. That's what they say. That's what mm -hmm. they say. It was deer hair. Man, it took I mean, who like, knows? Maybe they've replaced it by now. And yeah, it took them like hair. almost, you know, over 40 years to give them as an answer. So yeah, but so he was in the news a lot for that. Um, I haven't heard anything since then. I mean, like I said, he's like 95 at this point. So yeah, I think he's I, interviewed on the Wild Pink podcast. So he's on there. Yeah, well, that was in 2018, so that would yeah. actually be before. Oh, okay, this. I just heard about it, so for me, I'm like, oh, this was made yesterday. Yeah. No, the the <laughs> most the most recent episode was November of 2021, oh, okay. but that was like the last bonus. That was season two, and right? so yeah, yeah and, and like I said, that's like way into it, yeah, because I think season two started like in 2020. So, but yeah, but he doesn't have his own Wikipedia page, which to me seems crazy because like. He's a big Bigfoot dude. Grover Kranz has his own reasonably substantial Wikipedia page, honestly. Byrne doesn't even have, he's he's only mentioned once in the Bigfoot Wikipedia page, and that's referencing the 2019 FBI story. And oh. then there they spell his last name wrong. They put an S on the end. <laughs> so I don't know. But anyway, so I had I don't know if information on him. I have not read anything. Some of the sites that reference his work and that kind of stuff, none of them have put anything up saying like, you know, when mentioned the passing of him or something. So as far as I know, he's still alive. He lives here in Oregon, not too far from me, honestly. So but, you know, if he is, hope he's doing all right. So, yeah. Yeah. And then since we did more mention in podcasts, uh, the December 17th, 2021 episode of Unexplained which is season six, episode six, Tales from the Cryptid, has a short intro on the 1976 Patterson-Gimlin film as a lead-in to discuss the 1924 incident with the miners that we got in the narration in the beginning. So the, the entire episode is about that incident, the 1924 incident. Oh, okay. I was reminded of this because we mentioned the 1881 episode where the people captured something and they called it Jacko. Mm-hmm. And I had recently heard something that made me think of immediately. And it's actually the season six, episode six extra called So Many Monsters of Unexplained. So basically, he does like he does an episode and then the next week he does like something kind of related that didn't end up in the episode. And so okay. the episodes are basically biweekly and then in between he puts this little other Okay, thing. I think I've listened to a couple episodes of Unexplained. I listened to one about like, I think people who thought they were glass or something like the the glass delusion thing oh, uh, i don't know i don't or maybe that's a different podcast anyway yeah. yeah but anyway so that was the december 24th so christmas eve episode of 2021 and it tells a similar yet more horrible story from the caucasus mountains in 1850 huh. of someone named zana and so long story short we'll have links in the show notes some people in 1850 in the caucasus mountains captured a creature had dark skin and red hair and it was naked and they captured it put it in a, like a a spike pit basically they dug like oh, a pit God. in the ground with spikes and put it in there so it couldn't get out and then eventually like it got upgraded to like a fenced area with a leash and then eventually they got rid of the leash but it, like it went it was like years later but it, like it didn't leave they tried to give it clothes tore up all the clothes Eventually, they were like, oh, it can do work. So they put it to work. Oh, uh, they also decided to give it alcohol. 
Um, the creature was female, so of course it was raped multiple times by people, Ooh. became pregnant several times, some of the children died, a couple of the children lived. And so it wasn't probably a creature? It wasn't a creature. There's actually been recent DNA testing. It's believed it was in a member of an East African tribe who may have been like enslaved and escaped or something, and they captured it and that it was a creature and then, you know, kept it and raped it and anything. So, yeah, so there are some descendants whose DNA has been tested. The creature, Zana, we'll give her a name. She's got Zana. Yeah. She yeah. was buried. They weren't sure exactly where. They did find some stuff. They found some bodies. It's like back in the day. They didn't really mark stuff and whatever. Mm -hmm. So they did find something. They got some matches with some people who they believe were descendants of Zana. And doing the DNA tracing, they figure that's probably is what her origin was, that she was probably someone who was either maybe the child of someone who had been enslaved at one point or something. She didn't have speech. She was like a young adult or adult when she was captured. So... Not sure what's going on. There may have been cognitive issues. We're not sure. But yeah, yeah. so basically, yeah, um, they captured well, a woman. That's depressing as hell. Yeah, so I love to end on that's very those kind of anyway, notes. Anyway, so, yeah. Bigfoot might be out there. So if you're in the Pacific Northwest, keep your eyes peeled. Yeah, and that story makes me feel bad about the whole Bigfoot boobs thing now, honestly. So hmm. <sighs> yeah, don't take I'm away the joke. <laughs> Well, I will say in this episode when that guy sat down on the log and started drawing what he had seen, <laughs> I thought of that guy that Mulder meets in the alley who hands him that drawing that doesn't look like anything. It's just like a no. tall person, and that's it's, exactly it's, it's it's someone who skipped leg day and has a huge back <laughs> and big gorilla. He drew a gorilla. He drew an upright gorilla. What he drew? Hold on. No, to but a in the X Files, when it's just that like line. Oh yeah, no, but I'm talking about the guy on the search of yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I expected him to just bust out like just a couple lines and be like, "This is what I saw." So anyway, uh, yeah, that yeah. a lot of Jersey Devil references in this one, but yeah, yeah. So that's a more fun note. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely more fun than Bigfoot. Yeah. If you're out there, we love you and we don't want to shoot you. Just yeah. say hi. We'll hang out sometime. Unless you're mean and want to eat me or something. That's yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be cool. I don't know if that would be the case. I mean, you could not be mean and still kill me because, one, I'm white. And so you'd be like, oh, white people, we know they suck. Also, you could just be protecting your territory and not know what the hell I am and kill me. So, you know, mm, not necessarily sure. like evil intent to do that. So. Sharks aren't evil. They will kill you. No, sharks I stay evil. away from sharks for a reason because they will kill me. So. They will, but they're not like gonna seek you out to kill you. No, like, unless like maybe I you. killed like their baby or something, and they follow me to the amusement <laughs> park where my family is, yeah. and then, then they will totally try and kill me. They will hunt well, me down. But that, and, at that point, that's fair though, order. right? Like, so yeah, yeah I mean that's, that's fair. They have a reason. Yeah, it's justified. Yeah, so if they have vengeance, that's okay. I'm down with vengeance, but yeah, yeah. not just be evil. So okay. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Bringing it back around is Jaws 3D. Look at that. Boom. Yep. <laughs> I'm a professional. Yay! Thanks for supporting us on Patreon. Yeah, this one's going to have a lot of show notes, honestly. So yeah, there's a lot check of stuff. Out the show notes. You should always check out the show notes because if nothing else, I have a little, little, um, 
witticisms that I put in little snarky titles or something. Actually, that's more of the X-Files one that I do that. Mm-hmm. So, but those yeah. are pretty good though. Sometimes, sometimes I'll, i Sometimes they're not great, but I try. Can't, they, <laughs> they can't all be winners. I'm sorry. It's true. I mean, apology is policy. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> they can't all be winners. We all know all right. that. We're doing credits now. We're, we're stopping with that. That's, like, <laughs> that's gotta be the end. <laughs> I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Episode production, design, and editing. I can't say apologies, policy, I can't. Okay. <laughs> anyway, by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians. I'm going to make t-shirts and say apologies, <laughs> policy, and mail them to you. Be like, here you go. Here's your shirt. I need to get those underman aqua pants t-shirts made. <laughs> yeah it's also good <laughs> our premium feed is where you can find all of our x-files adjacent bonus episodes covering television and films that are you guessed it x-files adjacent if you like these bonus episodes tell a friend about our patreon page we'd love to have them join us speaking of which be sure to join us next wednesday as we go in search of Killer bees. <gasps> oh no. And try to figure out if the truth, truth is, is still, still out, out there. there. Sorry, there's someone knocking outside in my hall, not on my door, but like on another door. And so I don't know if that's coming through or not. I just heard voices, though. Something. Yeah. Two of my neighbors are either friends or relatives, but they're always going over to each other's apartments and stuff, which is cool. I mean, that's awesome that you have friends. I don't have friends. So I don't yeah, know what that's maybe, like. But, but go, go, go over to their apartment, not hang out in the hallway. And talk. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That'd be nice. Yeah, I can. I can like hear them clearly. Holy crap! Yeah, I think they're right outside my door, and my door has a little alcove because it's next to the elevator. So, like, um, part of the elevator is like right next to my apartment, and so my apartment's like sunken in, so it's shorter than some of the other apartments. Mm.
Yeah, I can still hear him. Yeah. It's quieter than it was, but. All right, there we go. <laughs> okay. All right, I don't know what that was about. <laughs>